This podcast is brought to you by Trivelo Coaching, where we help triathletes and cyclists like you train smarter to race faster. I'm your host, Jordan Donnelly, and on my left is former Australian Ironman champion and head coach of Trivelo Coaching, Jared Donnelly. So the big race has finally come and you want to perform at your best and you want every little advantage that's going to help you feel good and stay strong uh, because when you're halfway into the race and everything is starting to really hurt, every minor detail can either help or hinder your performance. Uh, suddenly everything seems to be a little bit exaggerated. You know, every minor bump, uh, every minor roadblock um, can really be exaggerated in a good or bad way. So in today's episode, we're discussing 11 hacks to stay strong on race day and give you the best chance at a good performance. And with Ironman cans coming up next week, this is a very topical episode. So firstly, Dad, welcome to the episode. We've got a lot of hacks to get through, but to start us off, what are you grateful for? Thanks, George. Uh that's an easy one today. We've just found out that Victoria is going back into another seven-day lockdown and I'm grateful for the freedom I had up until that point. And that sounds a bit weird, but uh, it's only when you get perspective of going back into lockdown and you understand what other people around the world have had to endure. Um, so yeah, we had a really good period and uh, that's the, the gratefulness I've got. Great gratitude. Really good one to start. Uh, mine's mine's an easy one as well, especially it's kind of COVID related, even though we're a little bit sick of talking about this and we try and vow never to talk about it on the podcast because the rest of the world's sick of talking about it. But uh, after last year, I made a conscious effort this year to uh, try and catch up with more friends for dinner frequently. Uh, I said that, you know, you can easily get caught up in the business of the week and weeks can just fly by. And so on weeknights, I try and schedule in to have dinner with friends, either just at home, quite simply, or go out for dinner. And I'm really grateful for that this year. It's been really nice to, uh, it kind of slows down your week. You know, you, you have dinner, you're pre- present, hopefully, uh, you put your phones away and you just catch up with someone and it um, really slows down the weeknight. It means the weeknights don't just fly by. And so I've been really grateful for that so far this year. Fantastic. Moving on to our next segment, and that is what has caught your attention. And again, this is a little bit lockdown related for you, but what's caught your attention? Well, uh, the very first thing that happened uh, in the last couple of days was when people in Victoria knew that the possibility that they were going to be locked down and it's literally eight days, 10 days out from Ironman Cairns, which some people have been training for up to a year for or six months or whatever the period. It's not like you've been doing something for four or five weeks. You've, you've put your whole you know, year on hold almost for, for an event like an endurance event like an Ironman. And, and what's caught my attention is the way that the the guys we coach have reacted um, and not dropped their bundle. Um, they're really almost well-trained in the thought process of, well, this is what's happened. What can I do? Can I sit here and complain or or will I do something about it? And each and every one of them have already reacted, changed their flights. Some people have had to ask for time off for, from school as teachers, um, time off from work, uh, which wouldn't be easy. Um, and normally you would go to the event the week of the event and we're, at, we're, you know, we're 10 days, up to 14 days out from the event um, and they've managed to get themselves at, up to Cairns already. And, you know, we're doing this podcast, uh, you know, on a, on a, uh, a Thursday that's, that's, you know, still 10 days away from the race and 
the guys have changed everything about what they had to do and I just think that's incredible. Uh, that's, that's caught my attention is uh, how quickly they responded and, um, and, and got on with it. It's it's a really good sign for their race. Yeah, it's really good. It's um it's an interesting decision to make because um there is risk involved. You don't know what the states are going to do with you know closing borders, etc. Uh, yeah, you might you might have to get up there and and isolate or get a test or worst case scenario quarantine. So I guess it shows depending on how important the race is to you. Um, if you really you know you've been working as hard as possible for this, you've you know, paid for everything to get there uh, and you want to make sure it happens you're in this mindset of i'll do anything to get there and i'm not going to complain about it um obviously if if people can't do that and that's fine as well you know you just have to make that decision yourself and it is a pretty tough decision to make yeah and look I, certainly i got asked what should i be doing and i can't answer that question for individuals you know ideally you would try to give yourself the best opportunity that's the answer i and if it means you have to do a hard question and ask your boss for time off or um, extend your, your accommodation and pay more, these are the decisions you have to make. But uh, if it means waiting until your, your actual flight, which might have been Thursday week, and then there's no flights leaving Melbourne, then you've, you know, you've got no decision then. You have no choice. So you're giving yourself choices. Um, you'd rather have control of your destiny than, than have put it in other people's hands. Yeah. Either way, it's very tough and uh, there's a lot of empathy for any Victorian athletes who wanted to get to Cairns. Hopefully, uh, you can either get there um, and if not, it's just a, another roadblock um, in in the journey of uh, the racing season. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Moving on from that, uh, what's caught my attention is we spoke a few weeks ago at the start of the Giro, uh, the Tour of Italy, about how this race always proves uh, the true test of uh, respecting the whole event and respecting the uh, distance and time of an event and understanding that you might be feeling good in week one, but it's a three-week race. So uh, we saw that finally the uh, absolute superstar in Egan Bernal cracked on last night's stage. He looked unbeatable for the first 17 stages. And then on the 17th stage, he cracked. And we said this, that even the guys that are winning uh, still can crack and lose 10 minutes in the last week. And we've seen that time and time again. And so it's even to see, even funnier to see it play out in the pros every single year. Uh, he did well. He managed his day. He didn't uh, lose the lead. Uh, he only lost a minute or a minute and a half, which was a good result for him. Um, but we'll see over the next few stages towards the end of the tour whether he's too fatigued or whether he can hold out and he has measured his effort properly. Oh, it's such a, a really interesting point, isn't it? At the professional level, which is, you know, we're all, you know, amateurs and, and everyday cyclists or triathletes who are, just love what we're doing. And we absolutely love watching the, the pros, whether you're a triathlete pro or a bike riding pro, you love seeing people go about their business and watching how they perform and, and how they manage their efforts. And, you know, we predicted this right from the start that uh, even though someone seemingly is head and shoulders above the rest of the field, and let's face it, he has been, and and I'm intrigued to see that two days ago in the rain where it was an unbelievably horrible day and he ended up uh, attacking the bunch with on the last climb and he ended up gaining time on his fellow competitors and everybody's sort of applauding that and I'm, I am as well. It's an it's incredible show of, uh, of the level that he's at and he even had time to take his rain jacket off so that he yeah. could take a, a photo of him with a pink jersey on that his did, back. That did catch my attention as well. That was, I thought, <laughs> you know, in a grand tour you're taking every second but maybe, yeah. maybe he, was, he was forced to do it sponsorship-wise for the race yeah. or something. Maybe he would have got a fine if he didn't 
didn't show the pink jersey. But anyway. Yeah. But, you know, my coaching mind was going, I don't know if he should have done that and taken time on everybody because this is a three-week event and you have to measure your effort over three weeks. And did yesterday's um, little hiccup, was that a result of Tuesdays going and attacking the bunch? And and was that necessary? And you could argue both ways, but only time's going to tell here. And I'm intrigued, to hopefully, that uh, his attacking of the bunch, when the let's face it, the yellow jersey or the pink jersey, all he has to do is defend his time and, and you know get to the, the last day uh, in front. That's all he has to do. He doesn't have to show his hand, um, yet he has shown his hand and, and he's just way better than everybody else. But all of a sudden, two days later, he's not as invincible as he was. And mm. is that because of what he did on Tuesday? That's what I'm in. I'm so keen to see. Is he going to falter again between now and the final day? Because there's so much, there's 600 Ks to go. Uh, there's a, you know some of the most epic climbs to come. And my, my thought process is this isn't over mm. um, by a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And even not even just looking at Bernal, but looking at the top 10, you know, they've fluctuated so drastically, guys, that were in the top three quite safely two days ago are suddenly now um, six minutes behind. And Yates, who was second and then propelled to fifth and then had a really good you know, day yesterday or last night for us, uh, is now suddenly three minutes clear in third. So, you know, this top 10 is always fluctuating so much. I just loved and what might caught my attention on your topic of what caught your attention on the same theme was Yates told the bike bike exchange guys to go to the front and chase down the pack so that so that Yates had a chance of winning the stage and getting time on his his competitors. That's a that's a confident show of strength in my mm. opinion. And what a I love the way Matt White works with his with his riders and I just thought that was a really good move and it could have backfired massive. Those guys, yeah. you know, those three guys, Cam Meyer and the other guys sitting on the front working their bums off for, for Yates to have a failure. But but uh, you know, he came through and uh, got time back and what a great decision, you know. Big risk big reward yeah but uh that's probably what we're going to talk about a little bit in in the today's top uh, podcast which is exciting yeah absolutely so moving into the topic of today's podcast 11 hacks to stay strong in a race we're just going to get through these uh i mean when we were talking about the the hacks to stay strong in a race we probably could have listed 50 uh, but we picked 11 that we thought uh, could be really helpful to you as the listener so number one it's very obvious but it has to be said uh it could be the theme of our uh whole podcast and our whole show and your whole coaching philosophy and that's don't go out too hard. Yeah, and people are probably sick of me hearing it, and it's very boring, very boring coaching advice, but it is the most critical piece of information out of anything that I could tell anybody on race day is, uh, you know, disregard your pace in the in the water, your power on the bike and your pace as a runner. Disregard that at your peril, and, mm. and you, you must totally be up to date with what you're doing at all stages of the race. So, so going out too hard might feel good, but it, it's going. You're going to pay for it at some point in the race. Whether it's, you know, I, I can use myself as, a, as an example in Hawaii back in 1988. You know, in the dinosaur years, and and you know, feeling good with 3k to go on the run, and and then it all fall apart with you know, literally 2k to go. Um, where you've got full body cramp and, and you know, and so 
obviously I didn't measure my effort well. Mm. You know, it's it's a an eight and a bit hour day, and and here I fell short by eight minutes. Mm. You know, it's it's like we talked about with Banal. Mm. It's a three week race. It, you know, an Ironman's a, a, a eight, nine, ten, eleven, fourteen hour day, and yeah. and you just cannot go too hard at any point in in the whole day. You and you do that at your peril. Yeah. Absolutely. And if anyone that's ever had full body cramps, I've had them once and it is not enjoyable <laughs> to say the least. I mean, think of just a, a hamstring cramp or a quad cramp and then multiplied by your whole body. Point number two, respect the event. Similar to our theme of what we just said. It is. And and oh, there's so much in endurance that you, you need to respect. And that's why I love the sport um, because – you know, you still have to respect a 100-meter runner. You still have to respect a 50-meter swimmer um, because because they have to train for that, you know, for that one one event. And if they make the slightest mistake, they're going to pay for it. Then, you know, as a 100-meter runner, you, you get the start wrong, your race is over. Mm. You, you can't but, – but as an endurance event, you've got time to cover your mistakes um, to a degree. And if you go too hard – you're pretty much doomed. So that's that's sort of the first thing we talked about. But the second one we're on now is is definitely respecting the nature of the event. Um, the I suppose that the distance is the main thing that I, I, I always say. You know, if you don't understand um, what time you're going to be out there for and you don't measure your effort against that, that time, and that's what respecting the event is. Um, you know, the temperature of the day. Um, the difficulty of the terrain, uh, you know, uh, obviously most people are competing against themselves and they want to want to improve against themselves. But we do have a small uh, section of our group that are trying to podium in an age group or pros who are trying to win. And we have a cross section of, of three types of people and you've got people who are new and just want to complete. So, you know, you've got to respect the event. And and I have done the same thing. I've I have done... You know, I can't even remember how many triathlons. It's over 250 triathlons of, you know, that many Ironmans and half Ironmans and, and long course events and Olympics, that, you know, and there gets a point where you think, oh, I've got this. And the longer I'm in my career, um, the more I didn't respect the event until it bit me so badly that I just went, oh, what, what just happened to me? I had a huge failure in in one of my races and uh, and it was such a shock to me because I've forgotten about respecting everything about the requirements of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done this before, you know, and you often hear in, in work and life where I use the example of uh, guys falling off ladders who've been uh, working off ladders for 40 years or been working off scaffold and they have an accident because they've, they've not respected it. You know, it's like driving a car. The minute you take your eyes off the road, you could possibly have a crash mm. and you so you have to concentrate every second of the uh, every minute of the time you're driving and when you're on a ladder you have to be the same just because you've been up a ladder for 50 years doing the same thing doesn't mean you're not going to f- have an accident it's the same with with your event you've got to understand that just because you've done it before over and over that you're just you you know you should be able to just uh uh, go through everything that you've done before and tick it off. But if you don't think about it and consciously live the moment uh, of the event, that you, you are going to pay big time. 
it's advice for not only the beginner who's doing the event for the first time and, you know, making sure they respect the event that they're about to do, but it's also advice, like you're saying, to the veteran who might have done it so many times that they risk being complacent and complacency is the enemy of success. And, yeah, you see that play out all the time. It happens in sports teams when they have a good run and they're a little bit confident and then they get a little bit of a shock, you know. It, it might have happened to Melbourne last weekend in the AFL where they've gone on a run of 11-0 and 0, and then they come up against the bottom team in Adelaide and they're a little bit complacent and then, bam, they're one of the bottom teams shocks them and gets an upset win. So. You see it happen all the time. Um, and that's why we've often laughed at amongst our group that to bet on um, the team that's uh, least likely to win because the team that's that's unbeatable will lose to that team, which yeah. is, doesn't make any sense. It's um, funny how it always happens, but yeah. Yeah, so so look, you know, there's so much in, involved in that, uh, you know. And look, the people who are more experienced, they're the ones I'm really talking about. The beginners, the, new, the first-timers, they've got – such fear that they respect the event and, and, and that's the thing the person who's done it for a long time has lost the fear factor because because their confidence is skyrocketing because they've they know that that's not going to be the thing that's going to cause them to falter um you know the event so and that's the thing i'm telling you is if you don't respect it and and you know uh, if you're underprepared as a newbie you well, that's just that's that's a classic mistake but but normally that doesn't happen it's more normally the person who's done a lot of it that uh that just gets too complacent as you said yeah and my last point on this is that uh you don't just talk about this when you're thinking about an ironman or a ultra endurance event you know you are talking about respecting any event you're doing whether that's 100 meter sprint or a sprint distance triathlon or olympic distance triathlon just because they're not as long as a half ironman or ironman you still have to respect them and you would say for a sprint for example respecting the event is comes into play where you actually have to do a more proper warm-up and get your body fully ready to to go at an intense pace you know whereas you don't have to do that for an ironman but that's just an example of where respecting the event means different things for different dis- distances yeah this is a, a bit of a flow on from that as well George. Um, respecting the event as a 100 meter sprinter the event is just not the 100 meters it's it's that 45 minutes prior so that you don't end up halfway down the track with a torn hamstring. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you are actually prepared physically for, you know, it's a hundred meter all that yeah. yeah, burst. So that's part of respecting the event. And, and of course, you know, the endurance stuff, because it's done at such low intensity, the injury risk is less, but there's so many other things that can, you know, you can have a horrible day if you haven't respected the, the swim or the bike and then you get to the run and you end up having to walk. It is not enjoyable. It is such a, disappointment um to to actually know that you've blown it not because of anything but stupidity uh, on your behalf of of not you know respecting what was what was ahead of you and not focusing on things that were important yeah absolutely hack number three understand that you are swimming in a washing machine and it is absolute chaos and so that is what's going to happen what is the hack there uh yeah being okay with that that's that's my advice. Um, don't go into this event thinking that that's not going to happen. And if you do, you're going to be in for a rude shock. And look, it used to be so much worse when all events started as a mass start. And you know, to say that it's easier now is an understatement. To you know, to, to be at Kona with fifteen hundred to two thousand people starting all together, you know, that is incredibly intimidating. Um, and now you've got a rolling start, which is such a you know a more sensible way of of competing. But uh, you know if if you're in a division that starts late, an age group that starts late, and and I know I experienced this myself at Shepparton, where the the aqua bike section was the last um, 
category to go. And obviously you've got everybody in the whole field in front of you in the swim. So you've just got a mash of 800 people that you can see with arms and heads and, and you're forever running into the back of people uh, over the top of people. And the, the swim course at Shepparton had out and back. So all of a sudden I'm having head-ons with people who are off course who are coming back. Um, so the hack is be okay and not get overawed by the chaos that is about to happen in the swim leg. And how can you, what is the advice? The advice is be prepared in, in your training for this to happen on race day. So, you know, practice swimming in open water and practice swimming with other people who are going to bump into you and deliberately do it and see how it affects your stroke. And, and yeah, so, so I think just being okay and understanding that that's, it's almost like the previous point is respecting what's going to happen um, mm. and not be shocked that I didn't expect this. Um, this is way more challenging than I ever thought. Well, mm. well, that's, that's what I want you to think about. That's yeah. the hack. It's funny that the first three hacks, you know, most people would think that we're going to give some sort of, sort of, some sort of tip that might be, uh, you know, a physical thing that you can do on race day that will help you go faster, you know, do this with your bike and it'll make you go faster. Whereas the first three are mindset related and so much of the race is all about your mindset. And this is another one, you know, our saying is be comfortable being uncomfortable because you're going to be uncomfortable in in the swim leg. It's, it's going to happen because it's just mayhem. And so you've got to make sure that you're comfortable with that uncomfortableness. And look, staying strong is the topic. And what are we talking about physically? Yes, of course we're talking about staying strong physically. But how do you stay strong physically if you haven't thought through the process? And and that is what we're really talking about. What things to, you should be uh, absolutely concentrating on from start to finish. And that is really the message of this of this podcast is what are the key things you should be thinking about for you to stay strong? Yeah. And sorry. Oh yeah, I was going to say yeah, that's spot on. Um, I was going to touch on a bonus hack, but uh, in the in the swim leg. But you can go. No, no, I'm I'm happy for you to, to go right ahead with that. Well, I was going to say that you have the bonus hack that you had in the swim leg uh, recently, and this is uh, not an endorsement because um, not a paid endorsement. It is absolutely a product endorsement, but uh, we don't get any uh, benefit out of this. But you just found the form goggles. The new form goggles were a game changer in the swim leg when everything's chaos. To be able to see your you know, your time and pace and distance uh, in the swim leg was a game changer. Yeah, and if if someone was looking for an advantage. Um, as you just said, uh, you know, we had to pay for the goggles. We didn't get them for free um, and I don't need to endorse them. But for me, it was the first time I'd been in a swim for 30 years and I had a little bit of anxiety. I'll, I'll absolutely admit that and wasn't sure about how I was going to go. But having in the screen on, in my eyes to know that I'd, I was swimming at the pace that I was happy with, even though I'd had to swim over the top of 10 people and I'd run into some other people and I'd had to do breaststroke to get around some other people. And there was so many things that I was thinking, boy, am I swimming slow here? But that kept showing me without me doing anything that I was on target with the pace that I wanted to swim. And I had, you know, 1,200 to go. Now I have 600 to go. Now I have 400 to go. That was really reassuring that I could relax and I'm nearly, I've nearly got this now and I'm nearly at the end. Uh, of course, I can see the end coming up. But during the event, it was me, it, it enabled me to concentrate on the next 200 meters. Okay, you're swimming at this pace. Let's just see what you can ne- hold for the next 200 meters. 
And that just calmed me down and it enabled me to concentrate on the things I can control. And we say that a lot. Um, and that's an example of using uh, an advantage to help me focus on the things that I can control. And what could I control? I couldn't control people around me um, or the fact that people were smashing me in the head or swimming in the wrong direction and having head-ons. I couldn't control any of that. But I could actually see that um, my pace was this and I had this distance to go. And, and I could think about, uh, I need to actually swim a little bit more uh, concentrated now because my pace is dropping. Um, so it made me rethink about my stroke and, and the direction I was swimming. So um, so that, that was really helpful. Yeah. Hack number four uh, is quite simply don't panic in transition, relax in transition. And depending on the distance, the transition becomes more important. But regardless of the distance, you still need to relax. Yeah, it's a really good point you raise. And um, look, some events, the, the transition from this, this getting out of the water to the bike compound is enormous and uphill. And, you know, you're spending three or four minutes commuting from the water to, to, the, uh, to the bike compound and getting on your bike and then getting to the start of uh, the get on point of, of your bike ride and then get the off point to, you know, rack your bike and then get your shoes and get out of transition, there's quite a lot of time. And, so, you know, some events, it's up to 10 minutes out of your endurance event. And, you know, if you stop and think about that, um, people go, oh, I can, I can save. If I go flat out, I can at least save a minute on that. And that's true. You can. But what is the cost of that? I just don't think there's value in that. I, I think you need to be focused on being relaxed. The process from water to bike, you know, and and I definitely had that process when I was at Shepparton written down. What are my things I'm thinking when I get out of the water? I don't want to have my swim goggles and my cap in my hand trying to get the wetsuit undone. I want to have a free hand. So I was going to put my goggles on the top of my head, leave the cap on, and have two free hands to grab the wetsuit um, strap to undo it, and then I had two good hands to pull it down. And then I would take my goggles and my cap off so that when I got to transition, I could put that down and continue with the, the derobing of the wetsuit. So so things like that, that, you know, in transition will, will, will make you more calmer and relaxed. And, and my goal was not to run hard from, from the exit of the swim to the bike rack. Why? Because I wanted to keep my heart rate down. I didn't want to start the bike leg with a high heart rate. Um, and, and I've said that many times in many coaching podcasts. Um, so, you know, it's easy to get sucked in because all of your family are there. Everybody's cheering. Everybody's watching you. And literally I was dawdling and people were flying past me um, and that's okay. But, but I got the transition. I, I calmly did the next step, which was helmet and turn the garment on and, and, you know, calmly made my way to the start of the bike ride. And at, you know, looking at my heart rate, it was still really low. Um, and I'd achieve what I wanted, but I, I, I suppose I lost 45 seconds at, at the most. But I guarantee you I probably made 10 minutes up by having a heart rate lower than the majority of people who sprinted past me. Yeah, and you're spot on about, you know, the, the energy cost of high heart rate and stress uh, is not worth it when you can, you know, you might be a few seconds slower or maybe up to 30 seconds or a minute in endurance. But um, if you're totally relaxed, um, you're putting your body in a good position. And look, we've got to, we've got to make a 
a little bit of a proviso here. We're talking about the age grouper and we're talking about um, probably the first timer. Um, we're not talking about the guy who knows that, you know, two minutes in transition could be the difference between winning and losing his age group or the professional who could lose the race. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about that. We're talking about guys whose goal is to do a PB. Um, and if you if you're continually entering races and if you do your transition the same, you're comparing apples with apples. Um, so that's not going to change. You need to change your swim improvement, bike improvement, and your run improvement. Um, the transition is important. And as I said, it can be up to 10 minutes. But but at the end of the day, you make more gains, you know, where it counts. As another caveat, you're not saying dawdle. <laughs> you no, still move no. quickly. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. But I must say that uh, I was dawdling when I jumped off the bike with a broken <laughs> pelvis. So <that> was, <laughs> people were looking at me a bit strange. I was yeah. actually walking because I couldn't run. So yeah. Um, yeah. that would be the only reason and why you wouldn't be moving faster. Yeah. Hack number five, another mindset one, be prepared for anything. Yeah, and uh, people don't put this into their um, race strategy, race plan. Because uh, you could come out of the water and grab your bike and your rear tyre's flat. And, you know, that has happened that many times. And it's, people can't say, oh, that'll never happen. I guarantee that's happened hundreds of times. Uh, people over-inflating their their bikes or the sun, you know, got really hot for the, the inflated rate that they had in their tire pressure of, of their bike or just a dodgy tire or whatever the reason, um, you have to be prepared and understand the process that you're going to go through to, to move forward from this point on. And, and that's just one example, um, going around the corner and crashing. That's another example. Um, getting uh, a puncture on the course. Getting a puncture on the course. Uh, dropping your nutrition. Uh, losing your bottles. Um, yeah, um, there's just <laughs> I've had people go the wrong way. Yeah. Um, out of transition, just getting flustered. Yeah. Um, so so have in your mind that if this scenario happens and and think about it, don't ignore it. My advice is. Run through. This sounds very negative from a from a psychological point of view. Run through the things that possibly could go wrong, and what are what are the outcomes you're going to try to achieve? What, think about that before it happens, and then when it happens, you just go into that mode. And oh yeah, I'm out in the course. I've got the, the equipment I need in in my uh, tire bag. Um, I've got to do this process. Undo the wheel, uh, put the bike down, then take the tire off get the levers out, et cetera, go through the process, you know, and, and practice that um, yep. beforehand. So, so be prepared for anything. That is my advice. Um, you're, you know, one example, uh, it was so cold at uh, the Hastings triathlon. I got out of the water. I could not fe feel my feet. And I've, uh, I used to wear orthotics in my shoes and um, I've just quickly uh, rode the bike, obviously ran out of, the swim, jumped on the bike, no problem, didn't have any socks on, so just put cycling shoes on, got off the bike, feet still numb after a 60K bike ride, um, freezing cold still, and put my running shoes on and didn't realise that I'd moved my uh, orthotics forwards in the running shoe, so I couldn't feel my feet, mm. and started running, and all of a sudden there was blood coming through my shoes after it was a 20 20k run and about 10k i was looking down and i could see blood and it was really painful mm. uh, once my feet started to thaw out and uh and i stopped and took my 
my shoe off and I had a blister under my my uh, shoe that was that big. And what am I going to do about that? You know, <laughs> I hadn't even, I had never thought of, of that could be an issue. Mm. And, and of course, adjusted the orthotic, put my foot back into that position and just had to run with, <laughs> with the damage the is kind of done there. Yeah. That's right. But, but I, you know, I had to think about it there. What am I going to do? I can barely run, but okay, I've just got to run through the pain. So, yep. um, and it, just be aware that things like that can happen. Yeah. And don't panic and and think through the process calmly. That yep. is the advice. All right. Our next hack is a bit of a big one, a few things to discuss in this, but it's about the bike leg and our overarching thing. And you'll know from whenever we've talked about a race plan is follow your data, follow your numbers. You said it at the start of the race, respect the event, the event and don't follow your numbers at your peril. Um, but there is another point you want to make on this and that is uh, follow the numbers. No, Use all your knowledge that you have gained from training with your numbers and uh, hopefully you've got a clear race plan to stick to. Uh, but also it's, it's the flip side of the coin is it's time to race, isn't it? Yeah. And it sounds a bit contrary to what I've been telling everybody for all of these podcasts. And I don't really mention this very often, but, but unless you're doing it for the first time, then you have nothing to compare yourself with. So the newbie, his goal is obviously to finish and do it as well as he can. And, and that's, that's normal for everybody. You, you haven't done it before, so how can you beat your previous best because it doesn't exist. But for the person who's doing their second or, or 20th event, your goal is to, to be better than you were before. And anybody who says that's not their goal is, is I don't know, dreaming. Um, because what would be the reason that you just want to clock up another painful day (laughs) in an endurance event um you want to actually you're testing yourself against yourself and of course there's the the age groupers are trying to win there's the professionals are trying to win but i'm talking about the everyday person who's really put in the time to prepare and improve themselves and and i want you to have all the information about your race plan about your your numbers, about all the data, all the things we've banged on about in, in every podcast we've ever done, which is talking about, you know, getting knowledge about how to execute your performance. But there's the one thing that we don't ever talk about, and that is to to race it. Um, and, and, you know, it just sounds like the opposite advice. What do you mean? When do I race it? Well, that's, that's the answer to the question, the question to the answer. Um, there are points where, you know, if this is just take an Ironman, you don't, you know, say you're trying to do 300 watts for the whole day, you don't do, oh, the next five minutes I'll do 350 because I want to race. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there is a point where at the 50K mark where you still need to be boringly patient and follow the data. And at the 100K, the same, you need to be doing your nutrition, following your data, uh, working out exactly what you should be doing. But at some point at the 130, 140, 150, if you want to beat what you did previously, you need to just slightly up the effort. And that's where the racing part comes in. And as you know, with risk comes reward, but also comes pain and suffering and and a, and a bad outcome. So how much are you willing to risk and at what stage of the of the day should you risk that? And that's the advice I'm giving here is um, obviously the closer you get to the finish and the finish is the run leg, 
then the risks can be can be greater. In the swim, if you're going to go flat out, it's miles away from the completion of the day. So the risk is quite high. Um, but because it's a three-sport event, you can you do them as individuals, you know, risk something um, towards the end of the swim. Is that going to be an advantage? Not really. It's not, you know, you could you could gain 30 seconds and spike your heart rate. Is that is that worth risking? I don't think so. Um, in the bike, you know, I've got this bike leg at 150K. I could really smash the last 30K. Is that worth doing? I might get four minutes faster, probably, if, if I think that I can run the perfect running race. But if I get off the bike and run poorly, well, that risk wasn't worth it. Um, so I want you to risk running the, the event as a race when you've got control of it. So, yes, I want you to race it against yourself and and you've got to work out yourself when you've got control of it um, so you can start. And look, if we used uh, Kipchoge's World Marathon uh, example of running 41 kilometres with one kilometre splits of 250 and then running the last kilometre of his 42.2 at 249, that is a person showing utmost patience yet still racing. So I think he ended that, up running two forty three or something because he just he just he let it go yeah. and he, he went for it. Yeah. yeah, and and you know what I'm saying is you need to be as patient as you could ever possibly be in an endurance event, and and therefore once you have got control of the race, like the example of Kipchoge, then you are free to race. Especially on the bike leg, which is you know the point of this hack is to follow your data, but it's time to race. And and what you're talking about here is, you know, you've you've done all this work, you've put in all this time, you've done all this training for this day. So now it's time to test yourself. Now it's time to see what you're made of. You got you're not holding back anymore. You know, in training, you you stick to the numbers, you stick to the range. You you want to make sure that you can you know, train well on one day, but also be able to back it up the next day and get through your training weeks. But there's nothing, nothing else after this. It's time to give it your all. Yeah, and look, for those watching the video, I'm holding up my Garmin. That is that my information. That's my Bible. And that's my reference. That's all it is. I'm going to refer to it to stop me from, as we said earlier, going too hard early, staying in the range, riding the right power. But at some point, I'm a competitor and I want to beat myself from the previous event. So therefore... I'm here to race, but using all of the information in training as our reference. And we refer to it to help us make better decisions. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we are here to race against ourselves. And yeah. that's, that's the key thing that I want to get the message of. Don't forget to race. Just to make it crystal clear, what you said before about, you know, if your race plan is 300 watts for the, for the whole event, you know, you're potentially aiming to push yourself and ride 301 or 302. You know, that's what we're talking about in, in an Ironman, yes. for example. Yes. You're, not, you're not ever saying, yeah, like you said, it's time to race. I want to go 350 watts here. I'm going to, I'm going to put in a surge because Jared said to race and I'm going to ride 450 watts up this hill. You know, it's not, that's not yep. the racing we're talking about. Yeah. And look, you know, at the end of the day, the result we're trying to get is say your bike leg was, uh, let's use the Ironman, you were a 534 rider and you rode the whole event at the top of your range that you thought you could do, which you knew will give you a 5.30, you're four minutes ahead. And as long as you can hold that for the run and maybe run a bit better, you could end up five minutes ahead or six minutes ahead. That's what we're talking about. Riding at one or two watts above for the whole 180K could mean the difference of five minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's how to race. 
Yeah. And that leads us to our next point, which you use this term uh, when you're describing that hack. So hack number seven is you have to be boringly uh, or bore it's it's what you call boringly patient or boring consistency and it's a triathlon so you know with all everything we just said about the bike leg you know you want to test yourself uh the run outcome will be determined by the setup of the first two legs yeah so without doubt the consistency is key and and we call consistency king in in our in our uh, trivello group but but at the end of the day that is the key to endurance event uh, it's not it's not how fast you can go um, at any given point. It's how consistent you can be all day. And so, patiently consistent, patient, boringly patient, whatever words you want to use, <laughs> yeah. that is the mantra. And 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 obviously, racing it at the end, which is what we just talked about. But but you know, without that that setup, you can't race the run, um, and you will be fading in the run if you haven't patiently set your event up and i just want to get that message across in order to perform well in the run you have to set your race up and that is by being patient and being boring and staying to the to the data um because it is a three event race and if you are just doing a swim leg just doing a running leg or just doing a bike leg as an individual sport, then you would pick the pace up on the bike. You would pick the pace up on the swim and you would pick the pace up in a run um, at the end. But we don't want to do that in a triathlon. We want to maintain the same pace on the swim, maintain the same power on the bike and fractionally just go over it. And then on the run, is, is that's, like, that's like when you're on the green as a golfer, you know, getting to the green, can you put the whole ball in the hole as efficiently as possible? Um, that's, you know, drive for show and putt for dough. It's like running is the same, you know, the run, running is the result of the setup that you've done, um, for the previous seven hours or eight hours. And, and if you, if you make a muck up of that and you haven't been patient, then there's no outcome except for catastrophe with the run. Yep. Perfect summary of that exact point. Uh, hack number eight. And this is a very obvious one, but again, it has to be said. Um, and that is nutrition because uh, as we know, nutrition will make or break you. So it's a very simple one to get right if you've done the preparation properly, but the nutrition on the race day will absolutely make or break you. Yep. And I suppose my, my key thing is um, when I talk about nutrition with everybody, not one fits uh, solution fits everybody. So everybody has got a different adaptation rate, uh, different requirements, different body size, composition. So there is no one kind of training thing that you can do to yourself. Um, so everybody has different requirements. And so you need to know those requirements before race day. So that would be the key important thing about nutrition, um, understanding in your practice what is going to be effective on race day and remembering that you're going to probably be competing at a little bit higher level than you would in training on those endurance days. Um, you would have done enough training at a higher level in other sessions, um, but as a racer on race day, you could possibly be burning more fuel um, than you have practicing in your training days. So you need to understand that that is a possibility. Um, so I think that's probably the first uh, thing that I want to get across. And the second thing is don't ever do something on race day that you haven't practiced in training. And, and the only exception is if you have actually no nutrition left and for some reason whether you've dropped the bottle or 
um, you can't find your special needs bag or some bad thing that's happened to you, you have to use the nutrition that's supplied by the course and you've never used it before. That would be the only reason that I would say fair enough um, because you don't know how your body's going to react to something that you haven't trialed before. So that is a really key point to make to everybody um, and that is the reason why we practice our nutrition in training so that come race day we know exactly how we're going to react yeah. um, and by taking something that we've never had before and we've still got our own nutrition on board that's a really bad bad mistake yeah and with, with nutrition the goal is just to stay strong and that's what these hacks are about staying strong throughout the race and if you um, stick to your nutrition plan then you'll keep yourself strong but uh, just remember that even the pros forget to take their nutrition in the race because you're concentrating so hard on what's happening you might be fully prepared with nutrition but you just make the mistake of forgetting you know so you just have to put things in place to remind you to take it at this time you know what is your plan of i'm going to take this at 30k this at 60k and um so you know a lot of um people can use on their bike little uh notes um you know in a bike race in a grand fondo you might have the sections of the race and you can put a little asterisk or something to remind you to take food at that point because it is easy in the moment uh, to forget to actually take your food and fulfill or execute your nutrition plan you can also do a simple thing, George, like uh, set your Garmin alarm to go off every 15 minutes. And I'm a believer of uh, time rather than distance um, because you could be with a tailwind and you get to a point so much quicker and you could be consuming too much too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so time is a better a de- better measure. So every 15 minutes, your, your Garmin might buzz and you know, oh, time to drink, time to eat or whatever. Um, yeah. So they're really helpful little, little things to, to use on race day. Hack number nine, do not, under any circumstance, follow someone else's plan. Yep, and for those who've listened to a lot of the podcasts, I did talk about this way back in uh, a few years ago. And uh, and it, it is, if you know someone in an event and they're somehow ahead of you or catching you and that's not happened before and you are too competitive or too proud to let that person go, um, that could be the end of your day. And it did happen to me uh, in an event where someone who'd never got near me on, a, on a, a bike ride and possibly could catch me on the run caught me on the bike ride and passed me and I abandoned my whole race plan and stuck near them only to run the worst I'd ever run in my life. And, and I followed someone else's race plan. And how did I know that, you know, that person was right or wrong in his plan? It turned out that person wasn't running at all. He was just doing a swim and bike. And I'd followed the plan of someone who wasn't doing the same event as I was. And, you know, what a stupid um, decision I made there. Uh, You know, you have a plan. The majority of the rest of the field don't. They're just going by feel. So they should be actually following you rather than the other way around. So, So don't get sucked in to people that you may know that are doing something different on race day. It could be adrenaline. It could be they've you know, that something's not working on their power. You just don't know what's going on with them. So, you know, this is not the time to follow someone else's plan. Especially, you know, that's don't follow someone that you know. In that case, don't ever follow someone that you don't know because you just have no idea about their ability, <laughs> what they're doing, what their plan is, anything. Yeah, and, you know, me mentioning following someone that you do know, um, 
would make a little bit of sense, but it makes less sense if you if you follow someone that you actually don't know. You don't know anything about their preparation or their ability. So don't be a sheep and follow someone else. That's that's one of the best advices we could give. Yeah. Hack number 10 is pay attention to your core body temperature. It's really important, especially in the longer races or races in warmer climates, not to overheat. Yeah, I think it's uh, one of the few times I'm a really big fan of heart rate um, and getting feedback from the heart rate data, especially if you're in a um, let's just take Cairns, for example, which is coming up. A lot of the local Queenslanders would be totally temperature adapted um, to the conditions. And a lot of the people coming from Tasmania or um, Victoria or you know South Australia would not have the same um, practice in training in, in those humidity and, and heat conditions in the last sort of four or five weeks. So heart rate's a really good indicator of how your body's coping with the stress. And at the end of the day, you need to take note of that. And uh, if you allow your heart rate to go into the red zone, even though you might not be actually riding hard or running hard, uh, it's just the temperature that's causing your body to overheat, which will spike your heart rate. Um, You need to be listening and watching that. And you need to pull back when you start to see your heart rate, which normally should be, you you should be racing an Ironman for your own particular, I'm just using an example. Um, Mine might be 145 is the number I don't want to go over. Um, But on a day where I'm in a hot climate, I I could see 155, I have to slow down. Um, Otherwise, I'm not going to complete the event. I'm going to actually, you know, go slowly, progressively worse. Yeah, and it's it's quite a simple one, and it's a little bit hard to you know measure that accurately or scientifically, so to say. Uh, but it's something to really pay attention to. Yeah, and look at understanding what your normal uh, heart rate is against in, in an endurance training session. This is so easy to monitor. You know, what have I been averaging as a say? I've been doing three by one hour efforts. You know, what is my average heart rate for that hour? Um, the first hour is always lower than the third hour. Um, and and a, a sign of good fitness is if you can have your heart rate the same for all three hours. Um, but you know, as your body temperature rises and your fatigue level rises and your, your need for fuel rises, the heart rate um, goes up. So you would have a good idea of what is a, fu- a good functioning heart rate that you can sustain all day in training. So when you come to race day, rem- you know, look back at what the, the heart rate average you know, where did you get your max? What, what you know, what part, time of the, the ride were you getting your max? And obviously, we're trying to not think about hills here, which is if you're on a flat course. Um, if you start to see your heart rate spiking, you know, it's you need to pull back straight away. Um, and you have to have a, another race plan there. If the temperature's creating this problem, and, you know, some races have been held in 40-degree temperature, and you cannot expect to do the same times in that event that you have done before because the temperature will prevent that. And only the people who have been training in 40 degrees for three or four months will be able to cope with that. Um, so so don't have expectations of the same time or trying to, you know, you can only compare with the, the day's conditions from other events. So as we said earlier, when you're trying to do a PB in an event, you know, these are things you have to take into consideration. You know, the conditions on the day, was it freezing cold? Was it boiling hot? Uh, was it blowing a gale? Um, so... So definitely the body temperature um, and, and using heart rate are really useful tools in an endurance event um, as you progress through the event. They're not much good at the start of the swim, bike and run because there's the lag periods and we've talked about that a lot in the podcast. But once you're into your journey, um, it is something to monitor. 
Yeah. And lastly, to finish off, our last hack of the day is hack number 11. To stay strong, you have to uh, muster up every single thing that you've got. You have to draw on everything you have because this is your this is your race. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good that this is the last point because we're really... We, you know, I suppose a lot of the theme is uh, mental toughness and and drawing on every single thing that you've ever done in your training up until this point is going to help you on race day. And and examples I've you know, if I'm starting to feel like oh, this is getting this is getting pretty hard, you know, at the 170k of the bike, and I can't wait to get off this bike, and I'll I'll start to think about. Well, I did six rides that were longer than this and they were on hotter days than this and and I'd had a hard training week. I am fresh. This is my day. These are the things that I, you should be thinking about and mentally strong, that is how you allow your brain to control the outcome and and draw on those experiences of hard training days and sacrifices you made and and then in the run you know at the 20k mark you've still got 40 uh, 22k's to go and you're thinking oh my god I am really battling here but believe me most other people are battling as well you're not on your own think like that am I the only one having tr- trouble today no this is an endurance event where most people are being pushed to their limit and if they're not they're not racing um, so, so the person who can stay in the moment and not think too far ahead, um, and that's the strategy you should be thinking about, um, you know, in the middle of the bike section, uh, oh boy, I've got 90 K to go. Why would you possibly be thinking about that except for to measure your effort? That would be the reason. Um, but other than that, it shouldn't be, I can't wait for this to finish. That's the wrong thing to be thinking about. You should be concentrating on what's my cadence. What's the course conditions? Am I an uphill or a downhill? What's the headwind doing or the tailwind? How's my pedaling action? And if you keep thinking like that, before you know it, the bike section's over. Then as the run comes, it's going to get tough. There's going to be shocking periods during the run where you're just thinking, oh my God, this is, this is way more harder than I ever thought. Stop thinking about those things and thinking about what pace was I running the last K in? Uh, was that too hard? Do I need to ease up? Is my heart rate rising? Do I need to pull back? When's the last time I had a drink? Don't think about how far to go. Think about what you're doing in the moment. Every step you're taking. Is my is my uh, form good? Have I had enough uh, cooling on my head? Um, you know, these are the things that everybody should be concentrating on in the moment things rather than at the end. It just, you know, if you start thinking like that, it's going to be a long dreary day that's such a good point because from a mindset perspective all those questions that you're listing are not only are they firstly ways to uh, perform better because if you're asking yourself those questions constantly we've spoken about how that's going to improve your performance because you're going to be constantly focusing on your numbers and your plan and you're going to execute a good performance overall but secondly they are doing exactly what you just said they're keeping you in the moment and most of our perceived pain comes from thinking too far ahead you know obviously it's painful in the moment but it's doubly as painful when you're feeling the pain in the moment and thinking about the pain in the future you know so what you're saying about staying in the moment is it's it might not make it hurt much less in the moment but at least it takes away some of that pain thinking about the next 90k or the fact that there's 10k to go on the run you know so you might as well do that to yourself give yourself that advantage um by you know, having that mental concentration to stay in the moment uh, and that will help the rest of your performance. 
Yeah, and we've given a lot of examples over the podcast about uh, going through way beyond where you've ever gone before, and we, we're not we're not advocating people to 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 you know abandon their health. Um, but but this is the time you've trained for. Um, so I don't want to say wuss out, and that's not what it's about. But but be true to yourself and 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 all the things you've sacrificed to work for. This is the time to stand up and and be ready, like we talked about in the swim at the start. Be ready for the the washing machine effect. Be ready for the pain. And how am I going to deal with it? Am I ready for this challenge? And that's what I throw back to you is, you know, you're listening to this podcast because you're searching for any advantage that you can get on race day. And I'm giving you the, the, the most effective thing that I've ever used in my own performances. And that is, um, am I up for this challenge? And if you can answer that question, shit, yeah, I'm up for this challenge, then, then you'll have a great day. Yeah, to summarize that, I'd say that the most effective thing you can do for your performance uh, once you get to race day, given you've done all the physical preparation, is use your mind. You know, your mind is your best asset at that point. And like you just said, you are going to experience pain. You are, there's no doubt it's going to be uncomfortable. You wouldn't be racing properly or pushing your body to its limit if you didn't feel extremely uncomfortable on the day. And so it's how you deal with that that's important. And when you're in that moment, you have to ask yourself, you know, what am I going to do here? What kind of effort am I going to put in that at the end of the race, once I finished, am I going to be proud of how I pushed through at that point of what I did or am I going to be disappointed in myself? And that's a little bit extreme, but that's the questions you've got to ask yourself. But it's so easy to live with yourself, Jordan, in the next hour, the next four hours, the next day, and you look back and you go, I'm pretty proud of that. I, I could not have done any better. And you know in your own mind whether you've stood up to the challenge or whether you've faltered a little bit. And if you're transparent with yourself and no one else is judging you, it's just yourself. Um, and I certainly am most disappointed with the times that I didn't stand up and, and accept the challenge and, and, and uh, I wished out and, and that stuck with me and, and made me so much determined for the next time that I was never going to do that again. And, and look, I'm, I'm probably talking extreme competitiveness here, but, but as I say, people are listening for some advantage and, and I can give you that, that will, that's worth 10%. You know, if you've got the strongest mind on the day, you can beat anybody. You can beat your own your own self from the previous event because you're so much tougher. Mentally. My last po- my last point on this is I've been watching the bike exchange highlights each day. They do a little five minute highlight of the Juros, and they've been following Simon Yates's journey very closely because he's obviously coming third. And at the end of each day, they get him on the bus after the stage, say how you're feeling, and there are some days when he is absolutely exhausted. But he keeps saying every single day uh, he shrugs his shoulders and says, "Up." Oh, did my best and that's all I can ask for. And no matter what the result was, he's happy with himself because he's done his best. And some days the result's really good. Some days the result's he's lost three minutes, but he still shrugs his shoulders and says, I did my best because he knows he's giving everything. And so if on race day you give your best and it's not a PB or you're having a shocking day, um, but you still push through and you gave your best, that's that's unbelievable as well. Yeah. And look, I'm not saying uh, wuss out. Um uh, I, yeah, I've got to clarify that, and I don't want it to come across the wrong way. I'm absolutely saying if you know if you've mentally toughed out to a point where you can barely move, um, well, you can't you can't ask for any more. That that is that is your best effort on the day. But you know yourself what's not your best effort. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a great way to finish off. It was an absolutely packed podcast, 11 hacks to stay strong. Hopefully, these hacks can help you stay strong on race day. If you've got a race coming up, if you're racing Ironman cans, a big good luck to you from us at Trivelo. We hope these tips can help you. And other than that, we'll see you in the next episode. Oh, 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 o